Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio. You know what? We love our national parks. We love parks in general, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, not just parks, but what about military programs that uh, are part of our national park system, our state park system, our regional parks, you name it. And uh, we're very excited to have Ivan Levin back on the show. He is with the National Park Trust, and we love them. You can go to parktrust.org, and um, they do so many amazing programs, and one of them really is about military getting into parks and veterans getting into parks. So, um, again, go to their website, parktrust.org. But welcome back, Ivan. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Great to see you today. You too. Now, listen, I'm in Gettysburg today with my background, but we've been to Gettysburg. And so a lot of times, maybe the first thing we're going to think about is parks that celebrate military history. And I think we do have quite a few parks, wouldn't you say, from national to regional? There's a lot of military history. Absolutely. I mean, there are 424 national park sites managed by the National Park Service, and only 62 of those are the traditional national parks that people think of across the country. So that's kind of the amazing thing about public lands and the National Park Service in general is the stories that are told through these protected places. You know, there's a plethora of stories, including many stories that represent um, our military background in this country um, and many stories that need to be told now and in the future. So, and that's the thing too, about what about those who have just served and, and are still serving, what can we do about them getting into parks and kind of connecting with that legacy of what they've done in service for our country? You know, there are so many things that are happening that are connecting the military community to public lands and waters. You know, two things specifically is that anyone that's part of the military community can get an annual military pass that's free, that breaks down that barrier of getting into national park sites, actually more than 2000 federal lands for free. And now there's a lifetime pass. So um, if you go to the website on the National Park Service um, or through the National Park Trust and get information about the pass, um, you'll just look through the requirements and you can get a lifetime pass. So you get it one time and for the rest of your life, you and your family can get into national parks for free. So that's That's one huge. And then there's, of course, all sorts of programs that are happening, again, nationwide. Specifically, the National Park Trust works with many different facets of the military community to make sure people are not only engaging with national parks and public lands, but they're having meaningful, deep engagements, and they want to come back and do it again. So we're doing that with many amazing partners across the country and all kinds of parks, but we and other other partners like us um, are doing great things to get people connected to the outdoors, especially the military community. So when they go, you know, that's the one thing too, is what about um, accessibility? This is something, I, you know, we really got involved in when we first started our tour back in 2012, before full-time traveling like crazy gypsies across the country. But, you know, one thing people, um, we were with a, a travel writer friend, and the Sequoias, and she goes, oh, I'm going to go do this option of doing the downtown shopping and thing. We're like, well, that's cool because 
we're not that but you do that that's good she goes well I don't you know I'm not a backpacker to go into the park and I'm like whoa whoa Nellie you, you you know what I mean you don't need to be a backpacker to go into a national park and that's why we started our one hour walk Facebook group everyone hashtag one hour walk on Facebook is to get people to understand it's not about you don't have to be this Olympic athlete to go out into a national park or a state park or wildlife refuge you know there's so many types of parks and we cover them all now but I want to talk about that because accessibility is something I think a lot of city parks are doing, uh, municipal parks, community parks, urban parks, national parks, state parks are working on accessibility. And I think that really hits home for our veterans that have come home or maybe in a wheelchair, uh, maybe on crutches, maybe, you know, just it, it could be any kind of disability, quite frankly, that they're facing. Thank you, first of all, for raising that issue. And it's such an important conversation. You know, I think there's a couple different answers. Number one, I think that we have to remember, for especially those of us in the space that are all about promoting parks and public lands and green spaces and waters as places that are not only accessible, but approachable. You know, people have to feel like it's okay if I just want to have this kind of experience in this kind of park. Um, and so parks are approachable. You know, there's an experience for everyone. If you're looking to go on a half mile walk around the visitor center, or if you're looking for that backcountry experience, that's kind of the amazing part about national parks is you can have both of those experiences no matter who you are. And as far as the accessibility question, um, one great way to find out, number one, what kinds of parks are accessible and what are those accessible features um, the National Park Trust has an app called the Park Passport app. All one. We word. love the app. It's free. <laughs> yes. It's downloadable on your iPhone, on your Android device. And not only will it tell you all kinds of parks that are close to home, you open up the app. It literally shows you hundreds of parks close to you. But when you click on all of those different national park sites and other public lands, um, if available, we have an accessibility link right there that tells you um, that links you directly to the park website that gives you the information on how that park is accessible and how to prepare and plan for that experience. In addition, again, a lot of the activities that we're doing with national parks to engage the military community are making sure that we're doing activities that are accessible. For example, we have a great partnership with Project Healing Waters who work specifically with disabled veterans and disabled active duty service members. And so through that relationship, we work with the partner to make sure that not only the fishing experience we're doing in the park is amazing and memorable, but that it's also accessible for everyone that comes on that trip. They have a rewarding experience, no matter what their oh, wow. abilities might be. So you guys partner with, you know, different veterans groups to make these, you know, memorable occasions. Let's put it that way, right? So that we they can do. go in. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we partner with so many different elements of the military community. It's something that I know we are really proud of as an organization. It's not just- I know, because listen, every time you come on the show and I mention the military experience, I'm like, what is going on with Ivan? You you're, you get like the happy face about it. Yeah, so, because so, it really- Yeah. It, it really is an area of growth and it's an area where it's not just one size fits all, one flavor for everybody. You know, we're working right. with an organization called Our Military Kids, which is all about engaging the children and families of National Guard yeah. and Reserve Service members. 
Um, we're working directly with military installations. For example, we work very closely with um, Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall in Alexandria, Virginia, to engage the families that are based out of that military installation. We're also working with military caregivers um, and their families through the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. We're working with military families across all branches through the National Military Family Association. And we're also engaging Gold Star families and military survivor families through an organization called TAPS, which is the Tragedy Per Assistance Program for Survivors, which engages those that have lost a loved one domestically or abroad while in service. And so, um, so many different types of experiences, whether it's engaging those families in national forests, engaging those families in national parks, through introductory and approachable outdoor recreational activities mm. meant for the family, um, but also through deeper um, introductory outdoor recreational activities like fishing experiences, whether that's saltwater fishing, surf fishing, fly fishing, all of those different types of experiences happening in national parks. I think this is cool. I mean, I, I follow this one group on Facebook where they're helping uh, veterans hike like massive trails like the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail. I, I, I wish I, oh, I wish I remember the name off the top of my head here, but I see veterans go like, I just need this to go through. And, and the other thing we've noticed on our travels is that a lot of the park docents that are volunteering are military veterans. Have you noticed that too? Is that uh, like- Absolutely, actually many, you know, it's funny when we create these military, you know, these opportunities and experiences for military families in the community, um, oftentimes we, uh, we are always working directly with the park rangers. And a lot of times we'll just mention, hey, if someone has, you know, a background or experience with the military, we'd love for them to join us. And people come out of the woodwork that work for the National Park Service and other public land managing agencies that have that military connection. And oftentimes if it's not through their direct service, it's through uh, you know, a child, um, a sibling or a parent um, that had service and it was obviously something very meaningful for them. And they still have that connection to the community today. So I see that all the time at every park we're at. Oh my gosh, it's amazing though. Like, I think that it's something like once you start serving your country, you can't get shaken, you know what I mean? And I think it's something once a family and you mentioned family, and I think that's a really huge thing because it's true. Like the kids are moving around the military brats. Like it was, I hate to say the word brat, but that's what they want to call themselves. I don't know about it, but like, you know, um, I, I traveled as a kid. I, I mean, I went to 16 schools. I know what it's like to go in and, um, but military, you do kind of have like a, ingrown family, but it was never like that back in the day. You know, you think about Vietnam days, um, Hal Moore, a famous general, his wife is the one who started the program for women to, you know, have a support group for when, you know, the taxi came up with the letter saying, your husband died mm -hmm. in Vietnam, you know. Um, so there wasn't that kind of branch of service. Now we're seeing more and more of it and, and necessary. And I think the kids, you know, I know I traveled and it was great, but it was also difficult. It taught me lessons of going in and knowing, oh, you're going to be popular the first day because people are curious who the heck you are. And the next day you're a chopped meat. You know, it's like, you know, that's it. You're chopped liver. Nobody cares. And you're going to have to step up, you know, in what you do. Mm -hmm. So there's a resiliency with that. But I also think those kids need a break of that. You Absolutely. Know? 
Absolutely. You know, a lot of folks are familiar with the term service member re, re, you know, readiness, um, but family readiness is actually a big theme that I know the Department of Defense has been thinking oh. a lot about and making sure that the family is also healthy. And when I say healthy and focusing on health and wellness, that's from physical, mental, emotional, mm. psychological, financial, all the different kind of ways that um, a family needs to be healthy to support their service member, family member. It's all about the individual as well as the family, because if the family isn't healthy and doesn't have overall health and wellness or good health and wellness, and that directly affects the service member. And so that's where we have really seen the magic of our work is that connection between health and wellness, not only for the service member, but for the family to show that public lands and national parks are a place that you can engage multi-generationally. Um, it's a place that you almost have a built-in outdoor community no matter where you go um, and how it does directly contribute to not only your physical health, but the mental health um, attributes and the ways that it really helps you improve your mental health in so many ways. Um, that is, is really one of the most important factors. I think that's huge. I mean, the mental health, we lived in 29 Palms outside Joshua Tree National Park. We could see Joshua Tree from our front door. We were very lucky. However, we also lived right at the military base where, you know, and in one weekend, we literally heard six suicides, heard it, didn't quite know what happened, found out the next day, and it's very depressing. And it's not just about, like you say, the service member going off to fight, going off to war. And of course, we have not finished with wars in the world. And sadly, we would like that, but it's not what's happening. And the family unit, like when you said the kids and all of these aspects, I think it's high time. Honestly, it, it's high time. And I think the national parks being accessible, having programs for kids and also turning specifically to these families and saying, hey, we're here. Even if we have to create a new program for you, we're going to do it. We want to take care of you because when you go to these battlefields too, I kind of feel like, I don't know if they want to go, but maybe they do. Maybe it helps that connection. I don't know. What do you think about that? Like sometimes maybe the family just wants to go to Yosemite and really understand like that amazing natural beauty, right? And, and indigenous uh, cultural history, you know, there's all of that too. But then there's all these battlefields that kind of realize that you're part of that legacy of these battlefields, you know? Yeah, you, you know, a, a couple of different things. Number one, I want to go back to something that you were saying about just the power of parks and not only contributing to overall health and mental health, but also um, with PTSD. I mean, I don't need to repeat the countless research that's out there. Right, like I, I'm saying, the, uh, yeah. Right, how the outdoors can definitely help directly with PTSD, but also those that are going through the grieving process, you know, like the example with the organization um, TAPS that I mentioned, the reason this relationship and partnership is so powerful is because the way that the outdoors helps those that have lost a loved one through the grieving process. So it really, whether, no matter what end of that spectrum you're on, um, the outdoors plays a really pivotal role in kind of that healing process. Um, and Can I just touch on this? That, that just go like for a second. Like what I said about the suicides that weekend that we heard, which is still traumatic, you know, and you realize you're right by Joshua Tree at that time. This is a few, quite a few years back. This is during the Gulf War kind of time frame. And 29 Palms was very, um, became famous as the 
soldiers who pulled down Saddam Hussein's, you know, monument and all of that. But um, here we were at Joshua Tree, and had we had those services then, I wonder if that could have, you know, I mean that when you talk about that, and I just want people to understand, like these services are so important. Here you can have the nature right outside your doorstep, but you need that conduit to kind of pull you out of the house and. You know what I mean? So I just want to say that. You're welcome. Come with me. Yeah, come, come. And, you know, I think public lands, it's such a, the idea of public lands, as, you know, people know, it's America's best idea. Um, And the fact that we can say thank you for your service or thank you for your service member's service, thank you for what you have given. Um, And one of the best ways we could do that. is inviting and welcoming someone into the outdoors, into a park. Um, And I want to get back to something else that you said about, you know, again, the park experience can happen at battlefields, monuments, lakeshores, but focusing on the military experience that's happened here domestically. I mean, we're lucky that there are no battlefields that have happened for any of our lifetimes on, you know, really American soil other than Pearl Harbor is probably the most, you know, the most recent um, on American soil type of type, which is a national park site. Um, and so <clears throat> those stories need to be told. But I do think that in opportunities where you can combine outdoor recreation with those kind of cultural stories that can and lessons that can be told and learned, um, that's a great way to really cement that experience. So when I think about Gettysburg, which you have in your background, I've actually um, personally worked with or groups that have held overnight camping experiences on the Gettysburg battlefield. Oh my God. Uh, and that experience of being outdoors and everything that goes along with that outdoor experience, but also taking a moment to breathe and realize where you are and the significance that it has and the story that stories that are there, it's very powerful. And so, um, you know, you can imagine how you can mimic that at different sites across the country. Well, well, Gettysburg is you know, I always talk about this on shows that, you know, we'd, we'd covered it for years with the National Parks Arts Foundation with artists and residents. They stayed in the Klingle House, which is also haunted, by the way, really crazy stories out of there. Um, but, and we've had the That'll be for the, ho- on the, show. the Halloween show. <laughs> yeah, really, for sure. And we finally got there and it was just by chance um, during the pandemic. And it was like, everybody was like, first allowed out and, but it was still the pandemic, you know? And Nancy and I got there. We were staying in Tawny Town, Maryland, not far from me, I think. I don't know, but it's all kind of there to me. Coast, you know, any, anything that's like a thousand miles away is close. <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, we went there and I know we'd done so much, how, so many interviews and stories and research. And we got there and we, we actually were at the Klingle House at the beginning. We did um, the president's, uh, oh gosh, come on, I, not I. Eisenhower's house. Who is it that has their farm there? It is Eisenhower. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm going to mess up. It is Eisenhower. It's is his farm right there on the way in. And I was like, just leave me at the farm. This this is like the coolest farm, and like I went in, but they it was closed. So a lot of indoor stuff was closed during the pandemic. But then we got into Gettysburg, and it was overcast, just like this photo behind, and and people were everywhere. There were people on horseback, and I'm like. So there was that side of me going, film the horseback, which I did, because it's kind of like you could replace the people with soldiers, like weird Mm -hmm. creative side. And then it just, we started getting into it and the heavy, heavy feeling 
And I always say the word for Gettysburg is overwhelm. Mm-hmm. It was so deep. And then when we got to the graveyard and then the unknown soldiers graveyard, like here's unknown, unknown, like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Nancy and I actually turned around and just went to the picnic area mm-hmm. and hung out with the most giant woodpeckers I've seen in this country and just sat there and like, can, we could barely eat our sandwich. It was just, we needed to go to the nature part now. Mm-hmm. It was so deep. So when you're talking about camping there, and I know park artists who've, who've recreated battle scenes and put them, so, military guys who've done it. And mm-hmm. it, it's, um, I feel like, I, I know those who have served have gone there and, and one, uh, Nick Collier is an art a photographer and he served in the military and they had a veterans program at that time. And he put himself in his clothes, his, his military gear, into the scenes of historic photos of Gettysburg soldiers who had been fighting and he managed to transfix this. I'll have to send you the photo of this. And it just kind of, he was like putting himself from present to past in there because that's what happens in the military. And when we were there, I was like, I went and stood where he was doing that. And then it was like double whammy. Like I can barely handle this. Mm-hmm. It is so deep when you go to these places. So when we talk about the military, I think it's also important for us who may not, you know, for civilians, as you want to say, understand what the military goes through to go to these battlefields when we talk about military. It's very right. important. And if you can go with someone that you know has served or his family who can serve, who has served, you. if you're not connect, I don't know anybody who's not connected to a military person, but like you need to go to understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, at the National Park Trust, not only on our youth and family engagement side, but also on our park protection side and park preservation side, we also have done countless projects at National Battlefields, River Raisin, River Raisin National Battlefield in Michigan, for example, where oh. we've done lots of different land projects where we work to make sure that the, you know, that park is protected in every inch of that park within the boundaries is also protected forever. And so um, as a big part of our work, we protect land that's within and adjacent to national park sites and make sure that, again, that land and adjacent lands can be protected forever. And so a lot of our projects have revolved around um, national battlefields. So again, I encourage folks to go to parktrust.org and learn more about our land projects, but specifically look at some of the battlefields that we've protected. Well, you've done what, 40 years this year, right? So it's your big anniversary this year, which is awesome. But when you say, yeah, I think that's what's so interesting. Like we are talking about the National Parks Arts Foundation, but um, even us, we're nationalparktraveling.com. But reality is, so it's about people going to these iconic 62 plus, I'm going to say plus, because you never know, tomorrow we could have another national park. Uh, right. So don't get on me for the numbers, people. But um, it could always grow, which we're happy about. But it is about those adjacent sites, right? And I know you care about all, like when you go on your park passport app, there's more than national park units on there. Oh, I mean, we can't restrict an outdoor experience yeah. to just enabling with national parks. There are state parks, local parks. I spend more time in my neighborhood park along the stream, on the trail, um, than any other outdoor place, you know, throughout the year. Um, but there's national marine sanctuaries. There's U.S. Army Corps of Engineers sites. There are sites that are focused on cultural storytelling, sites that are focused on um, water recreation, sites that are focused on um, wildlife and sea life in national marine sanctuaries. 
whatever type of experience you're looking for, there is some sort of protected public land nearby. And again, the Park Passport app is an amazing tool. Just open it up, take all the filters off, and you will see the thousands, thousands of yeah. parks that um, are on the app, but just in your neck of the woods. Well, the other thing too is is, is like there's trails national historic trails and i encourage people to follow them it's a really good like good way for your kids to to understand how people traveled in like the mormon battalion like i'm used to covering that in the southwest and we were in iowa recently and all of a sudden i'm like following the jefferson highway trail and then i'm like oh the mormon battalion trail was almost like the same trail because these trails follow each other the mormon battalion was a military you know unit that went through as well, not mm -hmm. just the, you know, hey, we're heading west, you know, as, as a group of people, but um, the El Camino Real de los Tejas National Historic Trail, that became a, Santa Fe was a, Santa Fe Trail was military too at mm -hmm. times. So mm -hmm. I think it's the something Overmountain too to think about. Trail that, that runs through Tennessee and North Carolina. Um, yeah, I, I agree. There's, and, and the, the stops. Oh, the I didn't know that, that one. You can, that you can learn around, uh, along the way. It, you could, go on and on oh that one i think we've done it because we just didn't know what it was there was like a sign and no we've done parts of that trail and i just now when you said that i'm like we've done part of it and we didn't talk okay well i get a, better get back on my passport there's a new one over mountain victory trail <laughs> check it out oh i love it i love it so for everyone uh best thing is the park passport really right and, and for military programs where do you want people to go and know about yeah, first of all, you can download the app. It's Park Passport, all one word, on your Apple um, App Store or Android Google Store, Android devices, and go to parktrust.org to learn all about the work of the National Park Trust over the last 40 years and what we're looking at for the next 40. What is a military site that you haven't been to that you want to go to? Ooh, a military site that I want to go to that I haven't been to. Ooh, that's a really good question. Well, you know, I haven't done any of the sites that are in the plains, like in the middle of the country. And so that's definitely, Dude, there's a ton. Um, you know, which is a different type of military history than we've talked about, but I think Crazy. it'd be really interesting to explore some of those battlefields and some of those, um, you know, a lot of forts that I have not learned much about. There's a lot of forts mm -hmm. and the forts are interesting forts. because they were like cities that were built up. So there's a lot of yeah. human history. Yeah. And I always think about these battlefields also about, um, family history for mm -hmm. folks to go to to find out about their ancestors who served in military these mm -hmm. forts hold these places you know to go to oh and well. they're 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 all over and you know i think growing up on the east coast i'm a little spoiled in that regard because growing up colonial williamsburg was close by um you know the civil war battlefields of richmond or manassas are close by and so you know i had everything from jamestown to the revolutionary war to the civil war all really within my home state and within, you know, not far from home. Um, but it's a lot of those kind of Western expansion stories and some of that history that um, I haven't been exposed to much. So those are those oh. are definitely the sites that I look forward to, to learning more about. Oh, I encourage you to do the Southwest um, on military history because there's Fort Bowie that is um, southeast of Tucson. Mm -hmm. And Fort Bowie is by Chiricahua National Monument. And everyone, that actually has one of the first... Um, what do you call it? Guest ranches of the West there. 
it's a very and talk about family history it's interesting but um fort Bowie had the california column go through there which eventually basically stopped the civil war this mm-hmm. was like the southwest played this huge role in the civil war and people just go oh the southwest they didn't have anything to do with it oh no it did uh, it did uh fort you know fort union up in northern new mexico on the santa fe trail i mean just mm-hmm. yeah if you go I would say the Southwest into the Midwest and a bunch of forts that were settled up. They're like on the list. They're on the list. I, I'm I'm going to send you a big list, but I know you have it on your park passport, so you don't <laughs> need me to do that. But I want to. I just want everyone to go to them. But uh, also, like the going back east, what you're talking about was something completely new for us. We've always been on the West and the East Coast, and then suddenly. We're going to graveyards with revolutionary soldiers buried there. We're like, oh, wait, wait, mm-hmm. we just we just crossed the boundary. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is a little bit different. It is. And it's such a unique kind of hit American history that, you know, if you didn't grow up in the, the 13 colonies, especially, you know, on the East Coast, you really weren't exposed to it much. And, my, you know, growing up, Virginia history was U.S. history. Um, really for us because it right, was so yeah. connected. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something unique to this area. Wow. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, we've experienced some of it, like just some of it, like Monica. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly yet. Uh, Monica, Monica, it's a battlefield in Maryland. See, yeah, I can't pronounce anything in your area. I can't pronounce anything anywhere, but um, that still freaks me out. That is one of the, it, it actually freaked me out a little bit more than Gettysburg because the families that were inside their, you know, their farmhouses, when the civil war was going on and they're sitting there with their kids going, Oh yeah, everyone's shooting each other and cannons going off and let's just go down to the basement. And the next morning, everyone's dead outside their farmhouse. Like that's some messed up mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, uh, how do you, it, how do you bring up your kids that way? Uh, Catoctin national battlefield in Maryland is another one. I believe it's the bloodiest battle of the civil war that happened there. Um, and so that's another really powerful site um that wow. they, similar it's 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 deep you know it's a, it's a deep experience it's we, it's it's not it is i mean it's so real and yeah you know i'm here complaining about the internet like get a grip <laughs> you know? it's like when you go to these places it just and i think that's the thing about these parks is uh it's a very humbling experience that makes you understand the bigger connection to the world and right. whether you're on a battlefield or yosemite in the grandeur of that it's like still makes you kind of like get a grip you know our military history goes back to even those parks you know the first park rangers of yosemite national park were the buffalo soldiers they were responsible exactly thank you protecting the park but they were not allowed to go into the park for recreational use Mm -hmm. so that's that's that story to me i mean one it shows the connection between the military and the national park service all the way back to the beginning and how that story um, needs to be told. In fact, we work very closely uh, with Park Ranger Shelton Johnson. He and tells Yosemite. an amazing uh-huh. uh, Buffalo story soldier um, and tells the story of their role at Yosemite National Park. Um, so I encourage everyone to to, to definitely learn more about Shelton um, and his, and that story of the Buffalo soldiers. Well, this is huge because we're also like, look at see the Riverdale uh, National Park unit, a uh, national park, but national monument. Yeah. Uh, we had Betty, like the park ranger, Betty, she was like iconic, right? Oh, um, yeah. she, she is amazing. But then, you know, you're talking about uh, that region of California, 
up in Sequoia National Park, we had Charles Young, the Buffalo soldier. And Absolutely. Charles Young, by the way, when you drive up the mountain into the park, guess who was the act very first superintendent of the national park was yep. Charles Young, black man who also served in the military, right? And yep. came the Buffalo soldier and was acting superintendent until they found a white person, right? I'm just being honest. And he's the one who made the road happen. I mean, right. he like, right. that's it. We're going to do this and we're going to do it in this amount of time. And he did it. And all throughout the West, you'll find the Buffalo soldiers and then Tuskegee. Let's talk about the Tuskegee Institute is also part of the National Park Service. Mm -hmm. And that talks about the airmen, the black airmen that, you know, also fought in World World War. Oh, gosh, it's too. So right? I know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just hearing. You I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to get my so history many, wrong. There's so many stories that our public lands and protected places can tell us. And so that's why I encourage everyone, you know, whether it's downloading the Park Passport app, go to Google, but find and discover a new place near you and look for some of these stories, these lesser told stories, some of these parks less traveled, um, check them out because um, you will really walk away um, impacted more than you ever could have imagined. And by the way, our National Park Service is in places like Guam and the Virgin <laughs> and the Virgin American Islands. Samoa. Yeah, uh, military sites. And so that's the other thing is the military sites. And, and you know, you're going to find military history just about in every park. I can guarantee it. And even rest areas across America used to be tank places where they would position tanks during World War II. So there's there there. It's never ending. And one day we will, maybe by Memorial Day, we'll get our uh, memorial uh, park map up on our site because we've done more memorial parks than you can imagine. It's crazy. But um, thank you, Ivan. Always a pleasure to have you on the show and to showcase the amazing work that the park Trust, National Park Trust has done and continues to do. So everyone go to parktrust.org and again, go download their Park Passport app. It is fun. I travel, Nancy and I travel country nonstop and the Park Passport rocks. It helps. So check it out. Keep up with us at bigblendradio.com and also nationalparktraveling.com. Thanks so much, Ivan. Thanks so much for having me. Bye, everybody.